Welcome to the Go Big Redcast with Dave, Honky, Boomer, and Redcast Rob. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, Honky, and I'm with Redcast Rob. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I know it's only Monday, but you know what? I think it's a good night for the Redcast. Tuesdays sometimes get a little bit boring. And who doesn't love Monday? Got a case of the Mondays there, Rob. Also, a uh, familiar face here to some in the Redcast Nation. Uh, for the first time since October, we've got Mac. Yeah, it was a long time coming. We have a super special guest today. I would totally... It's like Matt kind of dangled us out in front of me. I'm like, well, maybe I could uh, figure out some time to get over there. Sure. So um, happy to be back and talking to our next guest here. Well, I can't wait to talk to our next guest. And we're going to get to him in a minute here. I'm going to go through our housekeeping like we do every week. Uh, Hillvarsity.com uh, slash subscribe. Use Redcast at the promo. Get $10 off for your yearly subscription. Uh, uh, Redcasters on Wednesday, April 27th at 830. Uh, we're going to have Preston James Hillier, actor, Nebraska native and Husker fan. He's going to be the first guest on our fan forum uh, spinoff that we've created. And last but not least, Smack and Smooch, our custom shirts and specialty items. Uh, call up Shane and Laura and Elwood at 308-325-2542. And we've also got the QR code. And, of course, we're wearing all of the, all the goodies, the shirts and stuff that they've made. So um, let's get to that uh, that guest. Uh, tonight we welcome for the first time to the show a name that many of you in the Redcast Nation know well, either from his playing days at NU where he was a two-time national champion or his popular morning show Sharp and Benning on Omaha's official sports station, 1620 The Zone, or perhaps from his many appearances on the Big Ten Network, KETV, and Westwood One Sports. You can follow him on Twitter at, at Damon Benning. Welcome to the Redcast, Damon. Hey, how are you guys? Doing good. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we like to start and kind of break the ice each of our shows with some tweets of the week, and that's a good way to kind of get things going. And I want to start here with something you had from last week. Uh, first one here, the, the bet has been paid, uh, receiving your tomahawk ribeye. Have you had a chance yet to cook that up and make it? Yeah, I made that one yesterday. 90 <laughs> minutes smoke, got it to about 115, then I seared it off. It was uh, it was fantastic. Uh, Doug's a, he's a great guy, total P1. Uh, he listens to the show quite a bit. So, um, And he's a Creighton fan, too. The bet was he didn't think that the Jays would finish above 500 in the conference in hoops. Uh, they started out as kind of like I think they were they were picked eighth or something like that, and and uh, he wanted to wager, and I like good protein, so Tom <laughs> Hawk <right>. was. <laughs> well, let's talk a little football here. A couple of the other tweets uh, on the screen here. One of them was you'd mentioned last week. Who knows when it comes to Rogers, Casey Rogers, yeah. and along the same line, this is exactly what I was joking about the other day, giving validity to my thoughts. I had a feeling, and it was on defensive linemen the Big Ten defensive line, the average height and weight, Nebraska's at the the highest on both the height and the weight. Yeah. And those two, let's just start the conversation with football talking defensive line. Rodgers being, we've heard more than enough about him the last few days, and and maybe how the D-line is changing. Are we moving more to that fourth man front? We have some questions on that. Let's start with the D-line. Where do you see it right now? And where do you see it kind of going, I guess? It, how do you see it changing moving into next season? Yeah, they, they've got some uh, – <clears throat> so they got a couple of options, right? You know, you guys, if you've ever listened to me, I'm kind of a half glass, half full kind of guy. So I'm into solutions, and I think they've got a couple. Um, you know, if they don't get the numbers that they want uh, in terms of depth, 
you know, they're portaling right now. They're waiting on Mathis and, and that whole production. And they've got a couple of other guys that they're looking at. If they don't get the body types they want from a depth standpoint, they can always go back to maybe playing an odd front, right? Get in some more three man as opposed to playing some four front. Now, if they do play some forefront and they, you know, they get the body types that they want, that tweet was kind of interesting because all week I was talking about after the spring game that I felt like, uh, you know, Nebraska was a little too big along the interior. I had watched a lot of the other spring games up to that point. I think four or five had been played and just kind of going back to my recollection in the Big Ten watching games and they were lighter, quicker guys. And so I was just thinking out loud on the show. And I said, you know, it, it seems like Nebraska is kind of more the plotting type. And I've coached both odds and even fronts. And I just typically don't – I seldom see, you know, the one in the three technique or the, you know, both tackles, the nose and the DT, you know, two 300-pound guys. And uh, so I was just kind of talking out loud. I said, you know what? I prefer a little more twitch, you know, guys that can play at a 45-degree angle. And lo and behold, guys had data. Huh. Um, they, they started fact-finding right away and, and, and kind of showed me, you know, that, that graph. And I didn't know for sure. It was just kind of of a hypothesis. But lo and behold, you know, Nebraska's the only team, you know, that's starting a, a couple of guys over, over 300 pounds. And, and not that it's a bad thing, right, because mm-hmm. – uh, I think you have to be stout at the point of attack and you got to be able to hold up. But I just I just don't see it a ton in this conference, even though it's a it's a what I would call a power conference. It's more about athleticism and quickness. Guys like Colton Feast, um, Khalil Davis, Carlos Davis, uh, the little, the twitchier, quicker guys that I think can can have some success. Now, you can be a plotter, right? You, you can be a guy that is really good at the point of attack and Ash Hutmacher. He's got really good strength. Uh, he's got good hands. Uh, Ty Robinson, a big guy. Uh, the biggest I've seen him. He's got to be about 315 right now. But if you want to be able to play laterally and play at those 45s, as I like to talk about, I usually like a lot of a light, lighter, quicker guys. Um, you know, Jason Peters is a bad example because he was so good to begin mm. with. And he could play in a three-man or a four-man front. But, you know, the 280 guys. Jason mm-hmm. Peter, 280 guy, and Damakin Sue, you know, 290. Um, I, I just pref- – I pref- and, and Sue was a two-gap guy, so you need to be a little more stout mm-hmm. at the point of attack. I get it. If you're going to play in gaps like a one, a three, a five, a seven, um, you know, typically you, you, know, you, you like a little more quickness. So Nebraska has options, but, but they do need some bodies. They, it is uh, – dangerously thin right now. If you look at that D line in terms of numbers. Now the point of talking about like three man versus four man, it am I totally off in saying, is it possible that you actually true defensive linemen? Could you use, could you need less defensive linemen in a four man front versus three man? If you're replacing those outside ends, basically with guys that were the outside linebackers anyways, if, if Butler and Gunnarsson and, Nelson and those guys essentially are starting to become defensive linemen. Yeah, there's, there's, that's a good point. I mean, and, and that's where you have to really kind of get into the physics of it because, um, in an odd front, while you are playing with one less D linemen in terms of three versus four, the mm-hmm. body types, you're using more D linemen in an odd front mm-hmm. because you're playing with, 
you know, either guys that playing like a four eye or head up on those tackles or a five, which is outside those tackles. And they have to be big. They're the Richard Seymour types. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, who was my guy? Justin Smith from Missouri that played with oh. the Bengals. They have to be those kind of body types to be able to play in that four eye or that five technique. And of course you need a good solid D line. So you're right. Um, you, you need two traditional linemen and an even front. You need closer to three and an odd front. And typically in an odd front, your outsides, um, those are still bigger bodies, right? They're the, the Garrett Nelson types, uh, the Caleb Tanners more than probably a Jamari Butler. But the downside to that is those guys have to be really good at the point of attack and be able to play at the line of scrimmage. So, there's pros and cons to both, right? The even front allows you to be a little bit more stout at the point of attack. The odd front allows you for more versatility, but you have to have more specific body types. So mm. there's 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 kind of some give and take there in terms of, of what you're after. Do you think some of the lack of that of the body types is because some of the recruiting was pretty intentional on those big guys that we did get, you know, yeah. and, but some of this attrition that's happened too, is that kind of adding to the the lack of diversity and size on that line? Yeah. Or is that I, something I, that maybe the coaches initially wanted to go with and now are kind of realizing, uh, you know, we need to be more adaptable. Yeah. They are, they're caught in the middle. Uh, we saw this happen, um, you know, in the middle of Bo's tenure when he went from, from Carl to Kaczynski and, you got away from kind of those squatty bodies to those long angular types to the two gap to wanting to gap guys out. And you had, you had 2011, I think in 2012, you know, those, there were some misses along that defensive mm-hmm. line and rents do usually a couple of years after those misses, right? It's <laughs> right. not, it's not typically the following year. It's the second year that you got to pay the piper. And so for Nebraska, when you look at 19, and 20 and see what you graduated last year in 21. You got a little bit of a false sense of security with the super seniors mm-hmm. and you were an older bunch. You got young in a hurry. And, and most of those guys, the Marquise blacks, the Rukon Buckley's uh, the weavers, the Nash hut mockers, like those guys, like the time is now, I mean, not to, to borrow mm-hmm. a terrible John Cena song, but um, <laughs> they, they don't really have that luxury. I mean, they, it is it is go time, and you got to put bubble wrap around Ty Robinson. You know, Tate Wildeman just couldn't ever get it going. Yeah, yeah. In case in Casey Rogers has, um, I'll see how healthy he gets. I I don't know how much confidence. I hope that his knees hold up, but I was scared for a little there a little a little bit for a while. Maybe he had kind of a degenerative condition. So. Are you surprised, Damon, at the the level of attention he's received since he's announced? I mean, it's the who's who, basically, at least in the Pac-12 and the yeah. you know, Arkansas, and a, I think Purdue is the first Big Ten school. Oh, yeah, Auburn, SC. Yep. I mean, they they he's got he's got his his choosing, but it it just lets you know um, timing is everything, oh, right? He was highly recruited, uh, highly thought of coming out of high school. And it took him a while to to get healthy and develop at Nebraska. But when he played, I thought he showed you flashes. Mm-hmm. Um, and once he hits the portal, you know, D line it's a it's a scarce commodity, mm-hmm. and yeah. it is uh, 
it, it manifests itself in a hurry. There's no faking up front, right? <laughs> like some of these pretty skilled guys and us running backs, you know, we could, we could pretend and, and make a few guys miss and buy ourselves some time. It's, it's dark in there up front along that O line and D line, and it takes real dudes. And you gotta, you gotta be able to hang in there and hunker down 35, 40, 45 plays. The citronal rotation at worst, you're gonna need 20 snaps. Yeah. So, I mean, the bodies, especially with these offenses, right? It's spread, it's up tempo. And, um, and, and in the West, it's also the power ones. It's it's Iowa, it's Wisconsin, then Minnesota throws an eight-man offensive line on you, too. I mean, yeah. you're, you're hitting everything. Yes. I, the thing that I like about – so they're each a little different. We kind of lump those guys together because they're effective running the ball. Michigan – or, excuse me, Minnesota, let's start there. They're the big, massive body types. Mm-hmm. They're the leaners, right? They, they lean on you and they push and they shove. Um, Iowa has that little lighter, little quicker outside of Wirfs and listen, Lark Jackson. I mean, those guys, they were big boys, but they were so agile mm-hmm. and adept in terms of getting to the second level. And they had that zone concept down pat. Wisconsin is very good with their G scheme where they get those guards on the move. They start with a mm-hmm. lot of athletic basketball wrestling body types mm-hmm. and they develop them into the the those those consistent units that you see so they're all a little different in their approach but they're all really effective in what they do man they commit to it and 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 you need some big boys up front Mm -hmm. well you said earlier you said rents do and you got to get old and and i'll finish up the tweets of the week with a couple of just recruiting slash roster management kind of tweets yeah this first one here college football transfers who want to be immediately eligible without a waiver for 2022 season must provide their school with a written request to enter the transfer portal by May 1st. So essentially it's going to be a busy week. And then along those lines, uh, we're big on in-state recruiting on the Redcast here. And a couple tweets from Scotts Bluff High School that Barrett Rude was out there last week. And then here's Monarch Football, uh, Papio La Vista. And they had Mickey Joseph there and just saying that they were happy to have him out there. Yeah. And the way that, you know, let's talk recruiting a bit. How do you rebuild uh, your team. There's a, multiple ways to do it. Something you have an option at now that you didn't 10 years ago is that transfer portal. You can get old in a hurry if you get the right guys. Yeah. But, but, you know, the Texas Tech guy who has 900 uh, snaps under his belt, the Texas Tech defensive lineman who was in, in town True. this weekend, that's mm-hmm. that's a guy that has some experience. But you bring some someone else in the transfer portal that doesn't, there's no guarantee that guy's going to give you immediate playing time any more than the guy's already on your staff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's interesting, right? Nebraska's in a little bit of a conundrum because, you know, conventional wisdom says, hey, you know, desperate times call for desperate measures. Mm-hmm. But if you're in Nebraska, you're still trying to establish your culture. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's, there's a super fine line between being desperate and, and, and taking what's available because you think it can help you. And for those guys, you have to be careful. Because one of the things that's gotten away from Nebraska that I think that they've really got to get back to is I'm big into like you have to speak it into existence, say it out loud, say it out loud, and you have to acknowledge some things. And I think Nebraska has to say out loud, we are a developmental program, right? Mm-hmm. What we do is, is, is we develop. We, our freshman classes should supplement. They should be in addition to. They can't supplant what we're doing. We 
Nebraska doesn't need to be in the business of playing freshmen immediately. Uh, You need to be sprinkling in your redshirt freshmen, starting redshirt freshmen, or excuse me, redshirt sophomores and juniors, and then turning those guys over to the next level. It's all about development. So they have to be careful with the portal. I I just, it can be a little bit of fool's gold. Mm -hmm. I know there's a tendency to panic because I think people think Coach Frost may be on the clock, but you cannot compromise. The thing that will... It's just my opinion, but the thing that I think will really serve Nebraska well is I like their game plan, especially early on from a recruiting standpoint. Got a chance to spend a lot of time with Vince Ginta. Um, I obviously know Mickey Joseph really well. I'm a huge uh, Brian Applewhite fan. Um, I see what these guys are doing and what the plan is. You know, Coach Frost will tell you guys, hey, listen, I'm so competitive. I kind of got out of my comfort zone. I, I I I recruited some guys early on in my tenure that I ordinarily wouldn't have recruited. Mm. I took some chances trying to win, and it caught up with them. So what I think they want to do now is, is they're caught between a rock and a hard place because I like the philosophy that they're showing in terms of they're getting back to the 500-mile radius. Character really matters. Coming from winning programs matters. Mm. They really want to focus on – making sure that once you get guys in the fold, they're not looking over their shoulder to go to the next best place. Mm-hmm. So that comes with some characteristics that, that come with this recruiting area. So I like that. I do. And there's plenty of good players. And I don't care if they're along the O-line, D-line, or their skill guys. Plenty of good guys that I think that they can focus on. Then you sprinkle it in with your coasts, right? Your mm-hmm. Texas, mm-hmm. your Floridas, your Californias. Get back into St. Louis. Get back into Kansas City. You got hidden gold mines up there in the now it's outside the radius, but you've got a really good feel for what's happening um in Ohio. Um, and I know listen, that's big bad Ohio State territory, and that's fine. They can't get everybody. And right. so when you when you follow that blueprint and you get back to development, everybody else that you bring in has to fit your culture. I actually think. That's one of the beauties to the transfer portal. There's more information known. There's more mm-hmm. people to talk to. There's a usually a track record or a body of work. So I liken it to going to the grocery store, but who you're asking for the recommendation has already tasted what you want to buy. <laughs> you get to decide if you think that can fit your palate or not. That's kind of if I was Nebraska, how I would use. Yeah. I mean, that's my, that's my feel on bringing in the kid from Texas tech this last weekend who has 900 snaps under him, whether he comes here or not, isn't my point. I I haven't watched any film on him. I know nothing about him personally, but they have 900 snaps of power five plays on him. You you better have a pretty good understanding if you want the guy or not. The, the, the thing that is a little uh, concerning or different right now is you have transfer portal on one end. Then you also have NIL. How does NIL affect kids? Like for instance, like Rogers or someone that's been grinding here for three, four years Mm -hmm. and you're not, maybe you don't have the big NIL or that's you tend to get your NIL by going out and putting yourself on the market. And you're hearing all about whether it's Mathis or somebody else, they're going to come in here and make the, make the big payday. Well, is that, is that the incentive to want to leave? And you're trying to build that culture. Like you said, Damon. So how do you build that culture if people that have been in it for three or four years are testing the waters and people that are coming in or getting the NIL and, and 
and that's the incentive right now to do nationally. Now this is easy for me to say because my job isn't on the line. <laughs> but it's the same thing that it's the same thing that I told Coach Frost a couple weeks ago. When and this is the sixty four thousand dollar question, right? Because mm-hmm. that's a that's what what you're it's a it's a it's a fantastic question. But this is what I would do. And I'm not saying that Nebraska shouldn't play the NIL game. I'm, I'm not saying that you can't go out and get good players. But I would I would challenge folks to just sit down and think for a second. Before we're up in arms about what's going on with NIL, and we got to ask ourselves, okay, hey, what's the desired outcome? Who do we want? Who are we recruiting? And the, the, the Alabamas, the Clemsons, the Ohio States, the Oklahomas, the USC's, if we're going to be clearly be in the discussion where we're going to come to recruiting battles with these guys, where NIL is going to matter, mm-hmm. then we got to win more games. Yeah, <laughs> it's not. It's not. That's yeah. the. But we get so caught up, right? The devil's in the details. So we're enamored with, oh my gosh, well Alabama can pay this and Oklahoma can pay. Hey guys, newsflash: we're not competing with those teams. Yeah. Yeah. David, right? I got I got a question for you here. I mean, there's there's a. a nationally ranked quarterback that is a, a legacy here and yeah. we have a question from jim in minnesota and if they could do it over what might nebraska do differently with with dylan regular spring game visit and and look i asked this question because i know you made one reference to it on a show about a week ago but it, it goes bigger than this is that rayola could commit tomorrow he could commit to tom- to nebraska tomorrow and it doesn't matter right because if we go out and go three and nine he's probably never going to come here anyways i mean so yeah, you're really never off the market anymore. <laughs> yeah, right. So, so there's there's two things, and and Jim in Minnesota is fantastic. He's a yep. smart guy too. So I, I, I can talk to him like this. There's a couple things I would have I would do I would have done differently with with Don, uh, Dylan. Number one, it's going to sound crazy. Okay, they he needed more attention. He needed. They needed to reach out and engage and talk more. Hey, how you doing? Um, it's weird with 2024s. I, I know because I have one in my house. And so you have to initiate. It's tricky, right? You just can't pick up the phone. and But you can work around existing relationships. Uh, you can set up times to text. There's lots of ways to work around it, right? If I'm Nebraska, I try harder. I, I, I lay it on the line. The other thing is, is you take advantage of your resources. A lot of guys know Dom really well. A lot of guys that are around the program. Mm-hmm. Um, they could, they, there's some good insight there in terms of the family structure, what his wife likes, what he doesn't like, kind of how the family is. Uh, they got a guy down there, Jay Foreman, who's best friends with Dominic Rayola. Mm-hmm. Would have been a really good resource. Uh, and I say all that to say, Make sure when you're when you're putting your plan together at, that you've maximized. Mm. If you leave some stuff on the table or you don't feel like you gave it what you had, then you don't have anything to be mad about. And as I kind of look back at the, the Dylan Rayola thing, there's two things that I need Nebraska to do. Number one, don't let the results be indicative of how you feel about yourself. Hmm. there's this there's this feeling sometimes that I get that the staff or the players sometimes think they don't belong because they haven't won enough. So it's like 
if I'm if you know if I'm back in high school and I'm not very good looking or I'm in college and and there's somebody that I think's more attractive than me and she may be out of my league and I'm not very confident, I may stumble and bumble and 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 not really maximize kind of oh. trying to quarter right I because I don't believe in me. Gotcha. And it, it shows up because yeah. it's being compared to all the other suits. Sure. So Nebraska's pitch and Nebraska's game plan is being compared to USC. Oklahoma, Ohio State, and those things get relayed back, right? So you do this immediacy of compare and contrast. Mm-hmm. You got you got to think better of yourself. You 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 have to tell yourself if you're the University of Nebraska, we belong. We kind of goes back to what you're saying too, with with recruiting and going up against. You got to win more games. You, yeah. you feel better about yourself. You feel prettier. If you're winning some more games. But but see, so it's it's the exact same thing in the fourth quarter when Nebraska starts checking the rearview mirror, right? They they start looking, they're peeking, they're they're looking behind. Because they haven't been there and they don't feel worthy, they look for reasons to not continue driving. Hmm. Ah, Man, we made it this far. How have we not ran out of gas? You know what I mean? Like, I I always, I I like analogies because I think, Everybody can relate to them, at least in some degree. Nebraska is the team that wants so desperately to be good, but they have to figure out how to get from wanting to believe to actually believing. Because one, you can see. The other, you only hear. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I always tell people, as terrible as my eyesight is, I see a lot better than I hear. Right? You can (laughs) tell me anything. Right. Mm-hmm. But I but I much rather watch you act. Rob, would you, would you say that Nebraska, because you said you like analogies, so I, I thought of a really good one. Nebraska is starting to kind of become maybe that that peaked in high school guy, you know, where the mm-hmm. uh, you know, where because you and I were about the same age, mm-hmm. you're same age as these guys right here. And, and I've got kids that are probably old enough to play. They're just not athletes. Um, but, you <laughs> know, they haven't re- they haven't really won since uh, what, 97 was was like. The last, the last championship, national right? championship. Yeah. So, but, and, you know, they did have some winning years, but now all of a sudden it's starting to become a, the, you know, the used to be's right. And so I'm wondering if like, maybe that's a syndrome that, you know, after we go 15 and 0 this year, as I keep telling everybody <laughs> we're going to do, um, <laughs> and you can make that face, but you know, I, you know, I look at the schedule and I'm hoping that they get this D line here. Um, you know, do you think that they're, do you think that it's starting to become that sort of situation a little bit? So there's, I remember I'm in a solutions business. So there's yeah. a couple of options, right? You can't, you can't hop back in the time machine and go back to 97. You can't go back to 99. You can't even go back to the last second and, you know, the big 12 and, and, and plan Texas. But it's not that long ago with a team like Mike Riley, who's off been maligned and Nebraska was number seven in the country. Yeah. Yeah. And then this is going to sound weird, but I, I'm I'm big into I'm big into getting the most out of things. And for is for as disrespectful and and dismissive as as we are about that era and that transition, if it truly was that bad, somehow they got to number seven in the country, <laughs> and it and and so I think to myself, if they can do it, right we can do it well these are way and, better and teams so it too. doesn't have to be a deal I, just because it always ha, just because it has been doesn't mean it always will be yeah, yeah. we and, were 
And the minute you subscribe to that, guys, you're you're in trouble. Yeah, we were fan base. We were seven and zero that year in 2016, and didn't really know exactly how good or bad we were yet. We didn't play the greatest schedule up to that point. Be an Oregon team that wasn't, you know, a, a great Oregon team by any means. And it was that eighth game. It was at Wisconsin we didn't know at the time, though. Well, you know? but it was it was the Wisconsin game where we lose in overtime at Camp Randall, and uh, and they were top they were top ten I think or top twenty five, and we were top ten. And we lose that game, but it was so close. And Ohio State had beat Wisconsin in overtime at Camp Randall. So it's like, oh, my goodness. So the next week, Redcast Dave and I fly out to Columbus to go and watch that game. And we're on the flight Ooh. out there. And these guys, <laughs> the, the guy that, I mean, we start talking Husker football. So all these people around us are like, hey, you guys should do a podcast. And they start talking football with us. And they're like, well, what do you think is going to happen? And I'm like, I don't think I don't I'm not saying we're going to beat Ohio State, but I think what I saw against Wisconsin gave me confidence to say yeah. this is going to be a four quarter game. And what I saw with my eyes was it wasn't a four play game. And that's the 62 yeah. three destruction. And yeah, it's just murder. how does a top 10 team lose like that? I mean, I don't know, but that's that leads us into areas that, that are completely different discussions. I want to keep talking you know, solutions. One of the solutions is we're big into in-state recruiting. And you're going to see a name here that's probably familiar. He's in your house. But, yeah. you know, these are the in-state <laughs> recruits that uh, in 2023, we already have three kids from in-state, uh, Gunnar Gotchla, Benjamin Bramer, and Sam Sledge. And you look at that, that's Lincoln, it's Omaha, it's Pierce. Now we have four more that we've offered. And this is everything from Scott's Bluff, again, mm-hmm. back into the to the Metro. Seven offers to this in-state. And, of course, you know, there's a lot of talk about the one kid we didn't get, oh, the, yes. you know, Gretna and going down to Oklahoma State. But, my goodness, to offer seven. And then here we are already into 2024 with the offers to, to your son and then Davon Hall and, and Danny Kalen and then 2025 even. So the offers are out there. And the way to rebuild this this program from the inside out, that 500-mile radius, has to start there. Yeah. Um, I guess I'll, I'll kind of stop for a second there. And, I mean, when you see that stat, when you're looking at those names and that, those numbers, I mean – does that give you some some hope there? Does that make you feel good that that you know they are definitely serious about trying to close down the borders again? A- absolutely. Um, just just being around these guys since the new staff has been hired, listening to what some of the plans are, um, watching guys be recruited firsthand. I mean, Mickey was just here last week, and I talked to Coach Chenanda this morning and trying to devise a plan. They know how many visits left they have at the school and who should tag team and you know, when to bring Coach Fisher in because Coach Fisher isn't usually um, recruiting Nebraska, but um, they'd like to let, uh, you know, some guys talk to potentially who could be coaching him. And what I've seen over the last four or five years, four for sure, you guys, if you want to be encouraged, it's much more organized. And I, I don't say that to say, Oh man, you know, in 2018, it was this, this, and this again, I I'm solutions. I, my glasses have full much more organized than I've seen it where, uh, you know, a coach Fisher will text me on Friday and say, Hey, listen, 2024 is, I can't reach out. Can you have, can we do this, this, and this, and then we get going and then we schedule the visits. And then we talk about other strategic kids in the Metro and how to get to these schools and who needs to be seeing them. These are things that in the last four years, guys, I haven't heard when I first saw Barrett Rude, I was doing the the spring game that that staff's first year and he was crossing the street. We we're going across the street from the champions club. And he said, uh, I asked him how he liked it. 
And he said, yeah, he said, it's different. You know, it's, it, it's different than recruiting down in Orlando and it's this, that, and the other. And he says, I'm driving six hours almost in between recruits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, that was going way up to see Garrett Nelson and then coming to see Nick Henrich and, and Chris Hickman. Right. So it's, it's gradually gotten mm-hmm. better. Now Nebraska has got to ramp their game up too, right? It's, What's our philosophy? Who are we? And how does it fit? Once you start to strategically answer those questions, it gives you a better Mm -hmm. plan of attack. Listen, I'm probably Zane Flores' biggest fan. Uh, He's – I think in my coaching tenure against him, we're probably – we lost the biggest one. That was the state championship. But I'm, I have a losing record. I'm sure it's like two and three, maybe. He's been beating me since he's been in the sixth grade, right? <laughs> so when I watch him, I understand. See, I can still cheer for Zane Flores and know that he's a fantastic sure. player. But for whatever the reason, he doesn't get the Nebraska offer. And I'm not mad at Nebraska for it, and I'm not mad mm-hmm. at Zane Flores. What I'm thinking is, this is what I hope. Remember, class half full of solutions. We got our 2023 guy. We like Watson. We like the way it fits. We've done our homework. Have some conviction. Don't be the don't be the guy that's talking to the girl that shot his shot that doesn't really feel good about himself. Mm. So six seven minutes later, he's saying something different to her. Right? She's already made her mind up by then. Just have some conviction in what you're doing, and you're going to make some mistakes. You're not always going to get it right. Mm. But you have to have conviction in who you are, and other people will start to respond to that. Because if you're 15 different things to 15 different people, those guys talk. And, yeah. and, and, and bad news will always beat you for home. Sure. So for Nebraska, it's more about establishing their culture and identity than going grocery shopping after you know what you want to cook. I follow recruiting somewhat closely, but I don't follow like Nebraska – high school sports that well that's something i've always when i tune into your show you guys always drop some knowledge on that so i can and you've been coaching in it for years so you're, you're very much in touch with that yeah. but i have always picked up on uh, perception or not that, that there's a there's a disconnect between the unl and the and the metro yeah. and could that be some of it's the organization you were talking about no doubt but could some of it be as as simple as winning games i mean you've got a son we're about yeah. the same age. When my kids watch me watch Husker football, they simply do not understand how I still get upset about us losing because yeah. it's dad. We've always lost since I've been, you know, born. We've never been a very good team. So could some of the Metro disconnect be as simple as, Hey, we've got some really good players in the Metro and maybe they're not very interested in going and playing for a team that, that has struggled their entire life. You know, are we making too much of, of the, the relationships between the coaching staff and the Metro, or is it, could some of it just be wins and losses? All right, so two things can be true at once, right? Like, yes, I think it's a little overblown because Nebraska got off to a really good start recruiting in-state. Yeah, Penrith, Hickman. First, yep. first couple of years, I mean, they were swinging for the fences and 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 they were getting guys. Now, he had a – and I, I said this right when he got there just because I knew the families, right? When you start talking about Caden Helms and – and Mike Riley Ducker and some of these guys, um, it was a it's a different kind of recruitment because those are families that didn't necessarily grow up diehard Nebraska fans that mm-hmm. had that wanted opportunities to get outside of the state. The Avante Dickersons of the world, 
always had an affinity to want to leave the state of Nebraska. It was going to be a tough mm-hmm. road to hold. So everybody kind of has a different case. Now, what happened from that, and I'm right dab smack in the middle of it in the metro, so I can hear is, well, you know, Nebraska isn't doing this or Nebraska doesn't do this. And to some degree, the effort wasn't there, but it didn't have much to do with why those players weren't going. Mm, The Helms, the Riley, those guys weren't coming to Nebraska. And they told them early, early, hey, Mm -hmm. thanks, but no thanks. We're, We're looking for other opportunities. Keegan Johnson, they took it down to the wire. Now, that was tough, right, because you went from Troy Walters to, to Coach Lubick and Keegan, it, just his personality is very regimented. What do I need to do? Tell me how this looks to you. I'm a checkbox, I'm a checkbox kind of guy. I'll go figure out how to get it done. That transition into kind of telling the story allowed a school like Iowa to get in there and get, mm-hmm. listen, I, you know, you got to give the devil his due. LeVar Woods and those guys, they do a good job. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm watching it firsthand. They, they, they do a good job, but it's nothing that it's nothing that is insurmountable. I, I listen to coach Joseph. I listen to coach Fisher. I listen to coach Chenander. I listen to coach Woods. I listen to coach Jackson, all these guys that recruit. Nebraska has to just figure out and believe we belong. Yeah, mm-hmm. the we, emphasis is clear as day. Different. I mean, there was a no question. There was a ten-year damn gap after <laughs> Niles Paul and DJ Jones, yeah. and you know, you, yeah. you, you get a, yeah. you know, I, what would they get? Like Michael Decker like and there uh, players um, coming yeah. out of there Deshaun Neal. I think they got those two like the first year of Riley, but that was like even that. I mean, you're still losing no offense along the way, and you're losing Harrison Phillips in in bizarre ways too. I mean, just the, the emphasis, like the, people. The, the, the last the last five months they've been at Papio South, Brian, mm-hmm. Benson, Papillion, Creighton Prep, Burke, Central, West Side, oh, wow. stopped at Northwest, wanted to introduce themselves. The concerted effort to just be visible has ramped up tenfold in the last five months. That's not made up. I've seen it firsthand. With my own eyes. They've been to Bellevue East. Mm-hmm. Go, check in at Bellevue East and see when the last time they've seen Nebraska at Bellevue East. Oh. And they've been to Bellevue East this winter. That's the yeah. real deal. They, I mean, yeah, I've, I've seen all the tweets. They've been – they've the effort is is there. And I agree, too. I mean, this is – it's one thing if you're talking about Omaha being a, a, a one-year issue a year ago. If that was the one case, like you said, the recruiting becomes an individual thing at some yeah. point. I mean, it really, it really you, is. You break it down to the kid. But if you're if we're making it something more systemic, I haven't seen that certainly with this staff. It, you, and from day one, this staff, I, I think, has been really serious about getting in-state. Um, pandemics affect things with how much you can go and, yeah. you know, and actually see yeah, them. Guys, but, I, I'm just telling you, T- Tyson, Terry, and, and Caleb are, are practically best friends. and But mm-hmm. you would recruit them vastly differently. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, they played on the same middle school team. He lives about five minutes from me. Like, but you would recruit them significantly different. So it is recruiting is definitely an individual deal. Damon, that's a, a great leading because I've, I, you're in such a unique position um, in your role as a former Husker, 
you know, former player of, a, of an era that was so revered. You're, you're a radio personality. You're a TV personality. You're very, you're a coach within the state. You've seen kind of how it can go down on Twitter when a, oh, yeah. when a legacy player, I'm like Cluster and you had to have had these conversations and you're wearing way more hats out in public than he is. Do you lose sleep sometimes about how it's going to go? Yeah, I mean, I used to, right? That's a fantastic question. Um, you know, Caleb, we've talked about it so often um, since he's been in probably the third or fourth grade. Um, we have a lot of adult conversations. Mm-hmm. And my role is I just try to empower him to make good decisions. Mm-hmm. And my job is to guide and support. Now he knows it's different with Nebraska. Um, yeah, I watch him. He, he watches me. He, he knows what happens on Saturdays. Um, he knows what my job is. He knows how frequently I'm down in Lincoln, but to his credit, he, he doesn't allow that to, to complicate his thinking. He's got to do what's best for him. You know, I spent nine years coaching at Omaha North. Uh, we won three state championships. He didn't pick my high school either. So, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, I, I'm, I'm well aware. And, and I'm, I'll be honest. Um, I think I said this out loud. Maybe not. Well, I mean, that hurt my feelings. <laughs> it it um, on, a, on a personal level, it, it hurt my feelings. It shouldn't and, though. It speaks well I, that you're I, raising I, of him. That he could yeah, tell that he could know, look at his dad and say, yeah. "Sorry, pops, you taught me too well. I'm gonna go where I feel." I, like I, I had to. I had to kind of get over that a little. It probably took me. It was at least the weekend. I'll say. <laughs> I'll say. No, I'm super honest. Like I, it took me like 72 hours, and and I and I told him, you know, before I turned the the paperwork in for option enrollment because he was in the eighth grade. I asked him if he was sure. He said he was sure. Um, I put my arm around him and I told him I loved him. Um, I love the modular scheduling at Westside. I was a huge, you know, people that know me know um, my affinity that I had for Coach Frank. And he was very hard to prepare against. I love him as a person. Um, and I and I joked with him. I said, you know, I had no idea because he asked me, I was going to go coach two years ago and I just wanted to sit out and, and just kind of watch. I felt like you know, I, I loved Omaha North, and I didn't want to. I didn't want to tell a girl the next day that I loved her too. So, <laughs> yeah. um, I, I I took some time away, and but not coaching hurt. Um, we it was during the pandemic. I was already kind of miserable. Uh, nobody really liked being around me, <laughs> and you know, I needed to be coaching again. So when opportunity presented itself, and um, he asked me to coach again, it was a good fit. Um, and so I'm kind of watching this unfold, and all that I can hope for is that I've instilled the things in him that will allow him to make good decisions. He's going to take his time. He's just a sophomore. Yeah. Um, you know, some people don't even think he's that good. So, um, you know, whatever happens, it, it will be his decision, and I'll guide him. And I, I think I stopped losing sleep probably about a year ago. Good. That's good. Good. Rob, do we have uh, any questions uh, from the audience? Well, I know we have quite a few, but uh, try to get through a couple of them here. 
Yeah, our our good buddy Ken McCone here wants to know is uh he he says that's what we used to be right developmental, but how many kids will be patient enough to be developed with the portal and nil out there for the taking? And I I just want to add too that I've been listening to a lot of your podcast and especially the We Got a Podcast. I think it was your last episode where you talked about the nil quite a bit and um, actually referred to it as the Wild West, which <laughs> um, I think those were those were your words there. And you know I'm I'm I. I like you personally. So on top of this question to talk a little bit more about that, because I don't necessarily agree with your total sentiments on that, but I do want to hear more about what you said because it's the podcast. And so I'd kind of like to, you know, hear a little bit more about why you think that about the portal be- and the NIL, because I have some different opinions on that. Especially yeah. I've been paying a lot of attention. to it. So like that needs context. And when, so anytime you allow something to happen without parameters in place and you become reactionary, you're going to have to let some things happen first before you can get your arms around it. I typically don't like to work that way. I, I, I like to limit the variables as much as I can before you make decisions as opposed to the other way around. NIL, unfortunately, is not going to work like that. I'm a fan of it only because I think having your name is important. Um, you've earned it. It's yours. It's your God given. You should be able to do what you want to with it. And name, image, and likeness is important because that means you, the individual have value. Now, what I think is going to have to happen before it settles is, is there, there's going to have to be some seismic shift, whether it's a breach of contract, whether somebody, somebody doesn't get the good or the service that they were supposed to receive something like that will have to happen for it to be reactionary for it to kind of settle down. It's going to be tricky waters to navigate for the first couple of years, but I'm really okay with that. Here's the most important thing though. If coaches don't want to play that game, they don't have to. If I'm recruiting and I get the sense and I've done my homework that name, image, and likeness is more important about the development or the destination or the school, I've got to reconsider what I'm doing. Everybody always says, well, you have to play the game. And I always say to myself, well, do you? Is, is, Saban, any, is Saban worse or better off with NIL? It doesn't, doesn't really matter. He can play it The great way. coaches will just – That trains. We Dabo, that Sweeney, Dabo Sweeney yeah. can play it either way. Jim Harbaugh can play it either way. Yeah. Where NIL is going to – the guys that are going to A&M, 70% of those guys have yeah. the opportunity to go to A&M anyway. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's not like, oh, we didn't have the opportunity before, but now that we have NIL, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to A&M. The dogs are still the dogs. Mm-hmm. Which, what, it, what I hope that it does is, 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 it, is it levels the playing field for decision-makers – that are trying to decide between a Wisconsin and Iowa and a Nebraska or, um, you know, a, a Cincinnati or a Michigan state in Nebraska, right? right? Sh- should Michigan state have any more stroke than Nebraska in the recruiting game? They shouldn't No, Nebraska has the history. They have the fiscal savvy. They have the community support. They have so 90,000. They have 1.9 million in the state where you are the only show in town. So I say all that to say they have to work out the kinks first 
of the wild, wild west before they figure out how it makes it fit for them. Yeah. Because NIL has to work with the recruiting base that you've targeted. There has to be a fit. If you need a supplemental NIL deal for a supplemental type recruit, Somebody mm-hmm. that's kind of out of the ordinary, the rare four and a half, five star that you ordinarily wouldn't get. Okay. Mm-hmm. But the bulk of your groceries, what I consume during the course of the day for my meals, has to be my protein and my carb. Those are those guys, or my starch. Those are those guys that are the red shirt freshmen, the red shirt sophomores that are starting in their second year, have contributed their red shirt freshman year that are ready to play that that's how Nebraska has got to be able to negotiate it in my opinion. Yeah. And when I, and when I hear wild West, I guess for me, you know, I look at it as kind of like a, a new frontier, you know what I mean? Like where, who were the guys that got rich in the wild West, right? They were the ones who were the first ones there. They were the ones that made traveled the hard lands, fought for what they wanted to get established their territory and yeah, basically built from there. Well, let me finish honky. And so I think that like was something (laughs) like NIL with a combination. And and I, and I actually, now that you've kind of explained a little bit more than, than you did on the podcast the other day, you know, I think that it's a combination of NIL where NIL is going to maybe work best is in the transfer portal because I think that a lot of those guys in the transfer portal are looking for that little extra something else. And that's why they left where they were at. Right. Those are those guys that you're referring to that are going to be your, your dessert, right? Your, let, let me, let me stay with that analogy for a minute. If you like, if you like Westerns and you've seen open range or the magnificent seven <laughs> um, open range had guys, you know, the free grazers were those guys that were frowned upon. Right. And the guys that did the early work, felt like they were entitled to tell Duvall and Costner and those guys how to go about doing their business. Mm-hmm. Duvall and Costner are kind of saying to themselves, hey, listen, you know, we've earned a right. We belong. So let's just figure out where these two worlds, where, where these two worlds meet. Mm-hmm. That's the new frontier in the wild, yeah. wild west. Yeah. The wild, wild west is cool if you're the first one there. But that your date, your work's not done, though. Yeah, right. you could have yeah. forged all the work. And no, you I, I don't disagree. I don't disagree. But you know, it's <laughs> but, a, your, part, but, your, but your work's not done. I'm also right? a paint your wagon kind of guy. Yeah, <laughs> Rob. Part part of the part of the wild wild west too is exactly what we talked with Craig Dome and JoJo's dad last week about, which is there's no rules and regulation in place yet. This has been sloppily put together by the NCA. So when you have no rules and regulations, it's the wild west, which is no different than 150 years ago when you're just you know, forging away across the, the pioneers early on, it's gonna, early on, it's going to yeah. be a little bit of a free for all. Yeah. It, and so, yeah. you know, you want to, I don't, be I, don't with- dis- I don't disagree with that, but my sure. point is, is that like, you know, it was a free for all, but you also had to establish yourself, right. Last yeah, man yeah. standing mm-hmm. and, 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 and then everyone else kind of followed once you made the territory safe. And I know that Nebraska, I mean, we've heard it from multiple sources that Nebraska is already kind of ahead of the game in the NIL game as it is. And in a lot of ways, maybe not so much now that a few months, but to start. And even, you know, even that with like the collective that they have, you know, they're already right there, at least towards the top. How's that? Is that a fair I, always, I always tell people, I like to major in the major and minor in the minors. If it's minor, I don't really I don't really worry about it. So you know what's minor to me? What Georgia, Alabama, uh, Michigan, Ohio State, uh, those schools that are already in play for those kids are doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, when, I, when, when it comes down to 
you know, like I said, Iowa, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Michigan State, uh, Cincinnati, Colorado. Some of these schools in the area, even, you know, even like a K-State to some degree. When it comes down to NIL between those schools regionally, that's something I would major in. I don't concern myself what with what Alabama is doing because you know what, Alabama is not concerning themselves with what we're doing. Yeah, and so you have to that. start somewhere. I always tell people if 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 you want to go eat, you better start with the first course. If you start envisioning all the things that you can eat, all you do is you take little nibbles of everything, trying to move on to the next thing, and don't really enjoy your meal. Get the first course down. Figure out where you're at, then order next. Nebraska's got to do what they do better relative to what they can control. That's yeah. that, That's my deal. You know, we talked with Sipple that's about fair. that a couple of months ago. I asked the question. I, I went through some of our former coaches, whether it's Pelini or whoever, and how would they have adapted to the NIL and transfer portal world? And then, of course, you go all the way back to Osborne. And it, the answer was – it's an easy answer, and it's a perfect answer, and Sip gave it right away, which is the great ones adapt. You you yeah. mentioned Saban earlier. Saban's just going to be the best in the, in college football at the transfer portal. He'll just be the best at NIL, and whatever else you throw at him, he'll just find a way to be the best. And Osborne would have done the same – would have been capable of doing the same thing 25 years ago, yeah. whatever. You just – you know, you, you you take every resource you have, right? And Nebraska is Lions, Lions typically don't concern themselves with how sheep think. And this is true. <laughs> it's very true. You know, I had a – it's funny because, I mean, we do these and, and you never know how, how they're going to go. We, we had this whole discussion about 90s dynasty and culture. <laughs> yeah, we I had gonna... questions about Brian Knuckles. <laughs> I want to go deep. <laughs> hey, B-Knuck, the, the, the most – the quietest person that I was ever around that came with that much hype. Everybody always told me all these great things about B Nuck, and B Nuck never said anything about Brian Knuckles. He was one of the coolest teammates I've ever had. He he was low maintenance, no problem. Yeah, that, that, talk about spring games to remember well, that that was one of them for me. I'm like, oh, this guy's wearing thirty. They're, they must mean something serious if he's got. Yeah, 30 he, was, <laughs> he, he was. Hey, he was. He was a good teammate. He was a really good teammate. Well, let's, you know, we're not going to get to that whole discussion tonight. Maybe we could have you back another time. And I'd love to get into that 90s dynasty and culture discussion because we always talk about culture here. But let's at least get uh, some memories from you. And Abby Harris had a good question here. What's your favorite memory from your time at Nebraska? And I I guess that's really whether it's playing or now being a, you know, a broadcaster or maybe a future parent of one, too. Who knows? My favorite. Um. Considering the slow start I got off to, probably being named captain, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I was never the best, um, never a full-time starter, played a ton, uh, and got off to a really slow start. Was almost kicked off twice. Um, didn't really become a Coach Osborne fan until probably my junior year. So I had to overcome myself. I was super immature, um, made a ton of excuses. And so when my peers kind of recognize my competitiveness and and, um, my work ethic, that was a big deal. Um, It sounds kind of selfish because it was about me, but it's primarily because usually your peers let you know where you're at. And for those guys, I mean, I played with so many killers. It was – 
God, Clinton Childs, you know, yeah, Lon Green, literally, Calvin Jones, you got here in 92. So, yeah. I mean, that was, again, this could be a, this is a whole separate conversation, but you got there early enough. Like I was just, uh, when Rob and I were taking a tour of the stadium, Tyler Kai was taking us mm-hmm. around there on the Friday. Well, you were with us. What am I telling you about? <laughs> uh, the three of us. And, um, but like got to talk to like Reggie Cooper and some of those guys that were, yeah, were kind of. Yeah, and they were just on the precipice, just before it got really good. And and again, for all the young fans, we were winning nine and ten games. You know, it wasn't wasn't a disaster, but it was it was somewhat right around ninety two. Tommy's getting there that ninety two season. You, you go and you play Florida State really good in the in the Orange Bowl. It's a twenty seven fourteen loss. It's the the defense was was holding up against you know teams running a four three. So we start to make that switch, and I mean you start to build the dynasty. So you were there over that entire course. And I think of your last game, the 96 orange bowl, Virginia tech, Jim Drunkenmiller, all that. You had an amazing game, you, you know, and we win that. that and, and that, and that team never gets the credit or anything that they deserve. Cause they're the, the 11 and two team in the middle of all the, about, all the undefeated think teams. about that day i mean how revered that team would be if it was just any other time in the last well, 20 years we were at the Texas. we were at the texas oh, game. i know we i'm were just at that laughing that you game. said you got off to a slow start when you had six yards of carry as a redshirt freshman <laughs> <laughs> here's the deal you know what's funny everybody talks about that 92 recruiting class because that was like menner mike menner and uh jared tomich and t phrase and and uh john hess eric stokes chris dishman i mean it was loaded right but that 91 oh class had Dwayne Harris, Abdul Muhammad, Dante Jones. You know what the key was? I'm telling you. Because Kroll and Pickens and those guys, they were fantastic. Kenny Wilhite, they were great players. The difference between, like, when I first got there and let's say probably 94, was it somehow became okay to cheer for your teammates even though – it may be at your expense. Hmm. See, Dwayne Harris had to cheer for Dante Jones. Right. Yeah, Dante Jones kept Dwayne Harris from getting more snaps. Right? Like, Tremaine Bell had to, to cheer for Abdul Muhammad. Abdul Muhammad kept Tremaine Bell from getting more snaps. Mm-hmm. I, I had to become a Lawrence Phillips fan. Right? Brooke and Tommy had to somehow cheer for one another. When that magic started happening, I mean, how would you like to be like Foreman – Jamel Williams, Hess, and Doug Coleman. I mean, yeah. who are you playing? Right. Right? Yeah. Phil Ellis, the whole bunch. I mean, Kareem Moss and Tony Velan and Eric Stokes. Somebody's sitting, mm-hmm. right? When you can cheer for those guys, I'm telling you, that's when the magic happens. For the record, I would like to state that Abdul Muhammad follows me on Twitter and you don't. So. <laughs> hey, I'll, I'll start that. I'm going to tell you something. That guy, so there's, there's, there's I wonder if he listens to the show, honestly, because he like responds to me on stuff on Twitter, there's, too. It's there's the two or three thing. people that I credit firsthand with saving my career. Ed Stewart, Abdul Muhammad, and Troy Dumas. Three oh, guys that literally took me by the throat and were like, hey, you're blowing it. Get your act together. And to this day, Abdul is, we have the same birthday. He's one of my best friends. He loves kids. He's so stinking good in the community. And my man is competitive. Oh, oh I, I think every guy you just mentioned there, I think of how unselfish those guys are because you're you're a, you're a wide receiver in that offense back then. Yeah, you're not by, de- by you're, definition you're the itty bitty unselfish. committee of guys. You know the itty yeah, bitty that's receivers. What they were. 
they work their tail off and 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 I always love it when people say you got to be six foot four to block right now. We got to get a big receiver. I'm like, I saw too many damn guys that could block 25 years ago and would kill you. Corey Dixon's and all those guys. Can, can, can you imagine ones. Reggie Ball, Corey Dixon, and Abdul like being recruited today? Oh, yeah. <laughs> be Dross would be yeah. killed. Yeah. Like, but, <laughs> and the other guys you mentioned, like Troy Dumas and, and uh, uh, I can't remember who the other guy you mentioned, uh, Dante Jones or yeah, Dante Jones. Stewart. These, these are guys switching positions midway through and doing things yeah. that, you know, Ed Stewart's a safety. What you're going to put me up in a box and make me go up, you know, be an outside linebacker, but he turns himself into yeah. a butt. I, I remember when both those guys were going to quit at one point. Come here. And, uh, Let's it's, let's follow up on your on that on that question too about your favorite Nebraska moment because we're sitting here and, and you're reminiscing a bit like what outside of that Orange Bowl like what was your favorite game that you played in in, in that entire time like what game like you know maybe not one of like the classics that you see on Big Ten Network running you know what it is what's that Wyoming ninety four um, at home you guys are down like fourteen nothing we're something. we're getting ready to get beat and. Uh, I actually kind of – I it's a variation I of it now, but I kind of took a line from Coach Osborne at the half. Guys were kind of – I mean, Brooke was not feeling good. He was – we didn't realize that his lungs were in big trouble. You guys had like no and, uh, time too. You know, T. Frey's already wasn't playing, and he said he, – he kept asking. He said, who are you? What, what are you made of? What are we made of? And nobody really answered the question because it was kind of rhetorical. And he, and he told us in the third quarter that we were going to find out. And um, from that, I kind of developed – this is over time, like 20 years later. It's kind of my egg principle, right? Whatever's in you when you get squeezed is what comes out. Hmm. And it, it totally came from that halftime speech. I think we were, we were trailing at the half, right? Yeah. yeah was- to a bad Wyoming team. And uh, we won ugly all year that year. Like, revisionist history will have you telling, you, telling us, you guys, we were pretty sweet, but – <laughs> uh, I mean, he stopped spring game. He stopped the spring game. We got kicked off the field during spring practice. We were a mess. Um, that defense was wearing us out, and we couldn't move the ball. But uh, it was a super unselfish, tight knit team. Like the to this day, I mean, guys love one another, and it's it's that real kind of agape, unconditional love. Damon, I want to circle back to something you just said because I, I hear this so often. And it, it's a lot of guys, not just guys from your era, but just Huskers that come back and visit. But they almost all have a moment when they wanted to quit. Oh, they yeah. wanted to peel out of here. Yeah. And, Aaron Graham said he saved or he, he kept Berenger from wanting to leave when he was. Yep. Yeah. And I'm not here to, you know, crap all over the, the transfer portal and NIL or anything like that. But I think. And you probably, you know, have a, a son just about to go do this. What's important to the parents, important to some of these coaches when they really care about the kids is that growth is painful mm-hmm. and it's going to be really hard. I mean, you, you, it's just how it is. And I think when you're when you make the exit too easy, some guys squeeze out when they really could have used just a little more season and, and it changed their life. I mean, how your coach, your father, you know, like how how hard is that message to get across? It, it, it really is because um, you have to really consider real time what you've been through. Is it, is it just about opportunity? Have you exhausted all options? Um, are you being treated on like truly being treated unfairly? Like a lot of times that takes a neutral third party. Sure, sure. And the culture was so strong. And I remember I called home 
you know, I, I told my dad I was we were in the, the locker room was concrete. So I was in the north end. It was the freshman locker room. I shouldn't have redshirted. I didn't think I should have redshirted. I mean, just ask me. Um, <laughs> I had broken the freshman performance index record. I didn't I didn't sit the first three games. We got ready to go to Washington and neither Derek Brown nor Calvin Jones got hurt. And so Coach Osborne came to me and basically was like, hey, you know, we don't want to we don't want to burn this year. Yada, yada, yada. And, you know, I went through my typical DB pouting kind of insecure moment and uh, I called home. And, and my dad was like, hey, you know, he's like, yeah, he said, you can quit. You can't come home, <laughs> but you can quit. Okay. And and uh, and I and I I went back to the dorms and I talked to Troy, who is like to my my best friend to this day. And uh, he just put his arm around me. He's like, I've been there, man. Um, I talked to Ed Stewart, another guy that shares the same birthday as me. A lot of March 2nd guys. I've been there. Uh, Lawrence Pete, who was well before me. That's my son's birthday. Actually, you, uh, you, you Pisces are so sensitive. I know babies. You know what? I own it. I wear it. I'm the youngest of five too. So it's a double whammy. Oh I'm boy. A, I'm a yeah. double baby. Yeah, I'm an Aries. So, you know, Ooh, I feel no sympathy. like my mom, you love hard and hate and hate harder. That's right. Um, <laughs> man, you just described me in one sentence right there. That was me right I'm there. a total astrology moon junkie but so those guys i i just think like if they would have compounded the problem or not cared or maybe said go ahead maybe it's different hmm. but i remember lawrence pete was telling me a story he's just a guy that i admire as somebody that's older than me that was is still really good in the community and we were just telling stories and and he wanted to quit he was undersized as a d lineman he was playing with toby Williams or neil smith and and uh, moved positions, and he wanted to go back to Wichita, and he was telling me this story about how my dad talked him into staying. And I, I just think when you get in those tough times, it's all about listening to people that you trust have your best interests yeah. at heart. I, I like it, it's no real magic formula except to care. Mm-hmm. And 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 when people can care and tell you the truth out of love, I I, I just think that. You know, the sky's the limit. Mm. I, th- I think about – you talked about that that Wyoming game and mentioning Troy Dumas and Ed Stewart. I'm not sure if they were the two, but there was the high-low hit. Oh, they oh that was, yeah, that was too Yeah, when he ripped uh, – that, that, I mean, that quarterback, I mean, you, you think about green jerseys or, or what gets called today targeting. Oh. What a, I don't know what you would have called that, but that was just – that was pure physical black shirt football and just a thing of beauty. Yeah, he's a definite silent assassin. He, he probably only said about – you know, 15, 20 words a day, and they all mattered. Yeah, he's a good man. Cheyenne, Wyoming. Exactly. Wyoming right, right over there on Big Sur Ave. That's where he grew yeah. up. Yeah. Um, 45 well, minutes but, north of me. Right tradition, yeah, this is traditional Redcast. Uh, you know, we said we'd try to keep it to 45 to 60, and we're Sorry. just over. Um, I, I want to show you this here because this is kind of maybe the, the final thing, and we'll, we'll get out of here. Um, we have a, a shared friend, uh, Doug, and uh, you're a coach right now, but you're coaching something a little bit. Number nine. Omaha, Nebraska, Omaha. sixth grade youth football. Lake Meyer with the pass to Zalen Rocco. Great one-handed grab for the touchdown for the junior Wildcats. Did you hear Peyton? <laughs> 
I, see I tell you what, he's a stud. That is, uh, <laughs> hey, that team is really good too. They could, they're going to be scary this year. But uh, we just were. To, I just saw him this weekend. He's actually booked my reservations. Uh, Zaylin is a stud. That whole team is 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 pretty good. I I keep telling those guys we're wearing the Junior Wildcats, but at some point, man, we got to cross over. <laughs> <laughs> well, we so I mean, Mac and I coached together for a number of years. I coached eighteen years in, of youth football in Lincoln, which is fourth through eighth grade. We don't have yeah. junior high football in Lincoln, so you know, I Cole Penzik and other kids that went on played it at played for his dad in the Arena League. Dan Dan. Oh, wow. Oh, Dan coached with me for three years. He, he actually grew up down the street from my parents in Columbus. I may have his fingerprints somewhere. <laughs> around he, my neck. Oh, he has some great stories. Oh my, yeah, one of the best he, storytellers. Yeah, he, he, that home. guy was great, man. He, uh, I was feeling sorry for myself in the locker room. Imagine that. And, uh, my man, he just kind of snatched me from behind and told me to get my butt in gear. And he meant it with love, man. And I think I had a pretty good second half, but. He, we, another one of those guys. It's not one of the fake tough guys. No, Pensick was, he was different. Oh man, he was a blast. Well, as is a tradition on the Redcast here, we're going to go around the room. Everyone gets a parting shot, and our guest gets the final one. So I'll start with you, Rob, and uh, and we'll end with Damon. Well, my parting shot is, hey, Redcasters, keep your uh, eyes and ears open because we do have a lot of exciting stuff here coming up. Um, you know, not, not some stuff that I could talk about yet in, in, in true Uh-oh. betting fashion, I suppose you could say, um, not a lot of stuff that I could talk about, but, um, you know, I, I can, passive aggressive, but I can tell you, I've been, I've been listening to a lot of your show lately, so, <laughs> but there's, there's not a lot of stuff I could talk about, but I can guarantee you that there are a lot of good things on the horizon here for the Redcast. So, so keep your eyes peeled. And, and Damon, I got to, just to give a little background on Rob too. I mean, Mac and I, we we're Columbus guys. We, I mean, we can do all, all the Husker trivia and go back in, in time. And I mean, we love Husker football from day one. Rob is from Northern California. He's transitioned into being a Husker really the oh, last five, no six years. Guy. And and this guy, he's put in the work. So, I mean, I, he's, I do enjoy it. In, in all fairness, my grandfather's from Gothenburg and oh, we used to watch, I mean, I watched you play in the, in the nineties. Like, wait a minute. Yeah, who's like who's your grandfather? Um, his name is George Novacek. No. Oh, yeah. The yeah. Novacek. Yes, sir. Oh, isn't, yeah, that, yeah, isn't yeah. that something? Yeah, well, I didn't. I wasn't going to bring that up, but because he's a name dropper, because I'm a name dropper. Left and right. Yeah, I don't do this so much anymore. But he was yeah. my Shrine Bowl coach. Okay, yeah. is that right? That's crazy. How about that? Yeah. yeah um, more. you know what's funny about that though? My sister's been in San. She's been in the Bay Area for almost twenty some years. She's she's a professor. She's a uh, at San Francisco University. She okay. started at Cal Berkeley. SFU. She, she's. She's passive aggressive too. <laughs> I tell you what, though, I enjoy the local media's not too hidden jealousy about your access. You know, I, you can hear them rib you all the time. Well, we don't all get to do what Damon gets walking around here. And you know like, what, though? It's, I mean, you know what? If you got it, you flaunt it. Like, that's just the way the world works. I really don't, though. Yeah, I don't think I mean, you've ever abused it. Honestly. I don't. I don't know. Bro, I was just messing so. with you too. That was that was just because I hear you say that a lot. You know, like on, on the right. show, and I, and I do, and I and I seriously, it's been like all Benning all week for like the last two weeks. So well, you I guys mean, are such a presence on social media. I feel like you're everywhere. Well, <laughs> you know what? I, we we try to be. I was just in Lincoln two weeks ago. Now I'm back here in Greeley, and who knows? I might be in Ireland. I don't think that's what he meant. I'm serious though. Like if it's about branding, that that go big redcast that. I don't know if it's just because I follow a lot of you. It's everywhere. You don't follow hmm. me. That's 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 this guy right I'm here. I'm on it. That's this guy right here. <laughs> yeah, that's that's honky man. That's, All right, you can man. teach an old dog new tricks. The branding machine. And he's got it. <laughs> Mac, what do you got? 
Um, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the show. I mean, and actually to, to you guys too no, for letting I mean, me come back on. And, and this has been a real treat for me. Um, I'm just your replacement. You're man. such a direct connection to like my early Husker years. And, and you've been here the whole time. So it's like you're our age. It just it just makes a lot of sense. It was so great talking with you. You could do it for hours. So I really I appreciate, appreciate it, man. You I'm, on. I, I'm a lot more easygoing than I give than I let people on. Once you get in there, it's fine. I'm just not great at the beginning, so I'll be better. Yeah, you're fine. That was, well, was, and hopefully you can be better on the show again. We'd love to have you back. Hey, anytime. I, and, you guys are in the deal now, so it's Oh, fine. that's awesome. And I'll we'd love to it, get – I'll, I'll take good like, care of you. Like I said, I'd love to do a deep dive 90s kind of culture talk because I think there's – I just want to do a running back talk. Well, yeah, this guy years. this guy right here. I mean, he's the he's the running back ace and, and could – could have that conversation. Yeah. Damon, Jack, Jack, Jack Stark I just is, want to uh, go game by game in the 94 season. Talk about you. <laughs> hey, that's awesome. I See, that's the kind of stuff I like doing. Jack Stark's, <laughs> Jack Stark's one of my best friends to this day, and we started on the Unity Council together. And so mm-hmm. uh, you want to get into culture. We can talk culture. That would be awesome. Fantastic. All right, Damon, take us out of here. What you got? Hey, you guys, anytime you need me, I appreciate it. Keep doing what you do, too. Like, social media can be toxic and – and um I, I like the fair share of I wouldn't call it Kool-Aid. I like I'm 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 team positive, man. I like mm-hmm. positive. So uh keep doing what you're doing, man. I'll be a part of it. All right, well, it. Thanks awesome. so much, Damon. That's awesome. Well, I hope it. you enjoyed tonight, uh, Red Casters. Until the next one, that was a go big red cast. Go big red. Be yeah. easy, guys. Huda Media Production.